The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Tell me, tell me, tell me this again. We landing? Tell me again. Look, don't worry about it. It's nothing new. During Reagan's administration, 240 Marines killed in Beirut. 24 hours later, we invade Grenada. That was their MO. Change the story, change the lead. It's not a new concept. White people we touched on, we'll talk more about it. We can't afford a war. We're not going to have a war. We're going to have the appearance of a war. We cannot afford the appearance of a war. What'll it cost? But they would find out. Who's going to find out? The, the American people? Exactly. Who's going to tell them? Huh? That? What'd they find out about the Gulf War? One video of one bomb falls down a chimney, blows up the building. The building could have been made out of Legos. You really want us to go to war? That's a general idea. With who? I'm working on it. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, March 17th, 2022. I'm Bob Metz. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Well, it's not just the appearance of a war that Joe Biden and his puppet masters want. They want a real war to create a real distraction from the inconvenient truth that Vladimir Putin is the guy who doesn't want a war. And that's just the tip of an iceberg of other inconvenient truths that the so-called deep state does not want the public to know about for reasons we will attempt to explain right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and our archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. You would think that anyone who was even partially conscious about what's going on in the world today might be feeling a critical awareness that nothing about the current world political situation is as it has been presented to us by the fake news media. Which, yes, is a dishonorable descriptive label, but they fully deserve it because they earned it. It took Donald Trump to wake most of the world up to that simple reality alone, and although Donald Trump doesn't appear to be on center stage, more and more I am convinced that he's one of the key people directing the play. But for the time being, it is Vladimir Putin who's on the world stage, and Putin's actions in Ukraine have all but dominated Western news media outlets, who continue to apply the same principles of journalistic malfeasance that they applied to the COVID pandemic, to the experimental injections rollouts, to the threat of climate change, the Canadian and American freedom convoys, the facts about what was going on in the streets of Ottawa during the protest, the stolen U.S. election, the realities of the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots, the lockdowns, the social distancing, the adverse reactions and deaths due to injections, the Great Reset, and all the agendas including 21 and 30, and racism and depopulation and just about any issue dealing with the social, political fabric of society. Or in other words, 
It's all fake news from our lying state-paid propagandists. Now, in the midst of all this, I've heard a lot of commentators say something along the lines of, oh, so where have all our COVID worries disappeared to? Or did you notice how COVID suddenly isn't a concern anymore? How governments are rolling back restrictions and ending mask mandates, etc. Well, from where I'm sitting, I haven't seen any of those issues disappear. They've just taken a back seat to the latest New World Order distraction, which happens to be Ukraine, and which can be added to the list of all the others I already listed, since each and every one of these issues are directly related to each other. But COVID's not going away. Already, even as certain restrictions and mandates are being lifted, the same people lifting them are telling us to expect a new variant by the fall when restrictions may have to be reinstated. You can expect that that's almost a certainty, because that has been the plan from the beginning. Now, I hadn't originally intended to broadcast yet another show about Putin in Ukraine, at least this soon. But when the explosive news broke about official confirmations regarding the biolabs in Ukraine, well, that set off another row of dominoes exposing the chain of related events and players all participating in the greatest crime ever known to have been committed against humanity. What's happening in Ukraine goes a long way towards explaining that greater agenda. So to that end, and without much further ado, I have to confess that I never thought I would hear a news item like Tucker Carlson's March 9th Fox News broadcast, especially given that network's recent joining the ranks of the fake news networks on this issue particularly. And to make matters more confusing, I actually saw this report on YouTube, which left me with two still unanswered questions. How come Tucker Carlson is still working at Fox? And how come YouTube didn't remove the video within minutes of its release? I mean, for all I know, by the time this show airs, those circumstances may have changed. But maybe not. So on this side of our upcoming bumper, just one part of Tucker Carlson's explosive report confirming the existence of biolabs in Ukraine, while on the return side, Greg Reese of InfoWars adds his exclamation point to Tucker's report on the following day, which was March the 10th. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. If you had told us just four days ago that the Biden administration was funding secret biolabs in Ukraine of all places, we would not have believed you. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna put that on TV, no thanks. Then if you told us that not only did the administration fund these secret biolabs in Ukraine, but that they then failed to secure the deadly contents of those labs before the Russian invasion, an invasion they knew was coming, an invasion they helped encourage. If you had told us that four days ago, we'd have dismissed you as a nut. It was just too preposterous. We would not want anything to do with a story like that. There was no way it could be true, it's too far out. In any case, we already knew for a fact that that story was false. How do we know that? Because we read USA Today, America's newspaper. Within hours of the Russian invasion, USA Today published a rebuttal to all those crazies who are yammering on about secret Ukrainian biolabs. Here was the headline. Fact check. False claim of U.S. biolabs in Ukraine tied to Russian disinformation campaign. So if you look carefully at the story, and we did because we were interested, you notice that this fact check was sourced to Ukrainian government unnamed officials and then Biden State Department officials. So these were not exactly objective sources on this subject, but still, the story seemed definitive. It was totally emphatic. Quote, 
Russia has teamed up with China to further amplify the false claim of U.S. labs in Ukraine. Okay, USA Today says it's Russian disinformation. Maybe it is. On to the next story. But the fact checks didn't stop. That was weird. We kept seeing the same fact check again and again. It was almost like, despite endless official clarification, some people refused to believe the Biden administration. They preferred Russian propaganda instead. And we assume they must be QAnon members. We assume that because Foreign Policy magazine told us that. According to Foreign Policy, QAnon, whatever that is, was frantically disseminating, quote, false claims of U.S. biowarfare labs in Ukraine. Those labs obviously didn't exist. It was all just another lie from the Russians who lie for a living. Then the European Union weighed up, weighed in, throwing its credibility behind the same claim. These are conspiracy theories, the EU told us. They're lies spread by Putin. An EU spokesman then reminded us that, quote, the credibility of information provided by the Kremlin is in general very doubtful and low. And that was good to know. Quote, Russian disinformation has a track record of promoting manipulative narratives about biological weapons and alleged secret labs. Yeah, we're not going to do a segment about secret labs in Ukraine. The last thing we want to do on this show is traffic in Russian disinformation spread by QAnon. So we took a pass on that story. And that's where things stood until yesterday when we happened to tune in to a hearing of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Toria Newland was testifying, so we're interested. Newland's one of the people who brought us the Iraq War, never apologized for that, and kept getting promoted because that's how D.C. works. Toria Newland is now Joe Biden's undersecretary of state in charge of Ukraine, and she knows a lot about Ukraine. In 2014, Toria Newland engineered a coup in Ukraine in the name of democracy, of course. So she is a highly informed source about Ukraine. So she was having this colloquy with Senator Marco Rubio of Florida during her testimony. And at one point, Rubio took a tack that we were not expecting at all. He asked Newland if Ukraine had biological weapons. We never imagined Ukraine would have biological weapons. Why would Ukraine have bioweapons? So it seemed like a pretty strange question. But it wasn't half as shocking as the answer he got. Watch what Toria Newland said. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities, which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to uh, gain control of. So we are working with the Ukrainians on how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. Does Ukraine have biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has biological research facilities. What? You mean secret biolabs? Like the secret biolabs Ukraine definitely doesn't have? Ukraine has those? Yes, it does. And not only does Ukraine have secret biolabs, Toria Newland said, whatever they're doing in those labs is so dangerous and so scary that she is, quote, quite concerned that the so-called research material inside those biolabs might fall into the hands of Russian forces. Trying to use profanity on the air to describe our reaction, our jaws drop. Let's leave it there. Under oath in an open committee hearing, Toria Newland just confirmed that the Russian disinformation they've been telling us for days is a lie and a conspiracy theory and crazy and immoral to believe is in fact totally and completely true. Whoa. 
when it turns out the people who represent us and run our government are lying to us and never apologize for it and doing horrific things in our names, then you have to open your mind a little bit and at least assess what other people are saying. So here was the Russian claim. Watch. During the course of the special military operation, facts were uncovered of the Kyiv regime mopping up traces of military biological program under development in Ukraine, financed by the U.S. Defense Ministry. Okay, so that apparently, we hadn't seen that until this afternoon we started poking around. That may have been the root of the conspiracy theories that the fact checks told us were Russian disinformation. Let's quote it. Military biological programs are under development in Ukraine, financed by the U.S. Defense Ministry. That's the Russian claim. Separately, a Russian foreign ministry spokesman said the Ukrainians are working on deadly pathogens, including plague and anthrax. Is that true? Now, obviously, we would not take Russia's word for that ever, but we don't have to take Russia's word for that. The U.S. Defense Department has a website that contains this media clip about the opening of a biological research facility in Ukraine in 2010. Quote, U.S. Senator Dick Lugar applauded the opening of the in interim Central Reference Laboratory in Odessa, Ukraine this week, announcing that it will be instrumental in researching dangerous pathogens used by bioterrorists. The Level 3 Biosafety Lab will be used to study anthrax, tularemia, and Q fever, as well as other dangerous pathogens. Oh, okay. Is that the U.S. Embassy's website also contains links to fact sheets about America's support for biological research in Ukraine, but all those links are now dead. That's weird. It's our government. We pay for it. Again, they're there in our name, in the name of American citizens, but we can no longer read their web page? How does that work exactly? They have no right to lie to us. The web page is archived, thankfully, and the fact sheets show Defense Department funding to laboratories in Ukraine. So that looks like proof. It's not Russian disinformation, it's totally real. Sorry, USA Today, America's newspaper, it's real. You can look it up on the internet if you want. After the Russians secured Pentagon-run biolabs in Ukraine, the U.S. Embassy was caught deleting proof of this from their website. And when the Russians shared documents showing the Ukrainian Minister of Health ordering employees of these biolabs to destroy all deadly pathogens, U.S. Senator Marco Rubio asked the U.S. State Department if there was any truth to this. Undersecretary Victoria Newland not only confirmed the presence of the labs, but confirmed that they contain weaponized biological agents that they now fear the Russians will indiscriminately use to start a world war. The Pentagon calls them bio-research labs and containment labs and claim their clandestine operation is all somehow in self-defense. But they are admittedly creating and storing weaponized biological material. And so these biolabs are in violation of Article 1 of the Prohibition on Biological Weapons. During the past couple years, citizens of the world have been getting an advanced education on bioweapons. And the very same crooks we see foisting the Great Reset medical tyranny are involved in the Ukrainian bioweapons labs. 
This is all being paid for with tax dollars through the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency, the DTRA. U.S. company Black & Veatch has been working closely with the DTRA building bioweapons labs since 2003. Black & Veatch share an office in Kiev with Metabiota, who signed an $18.4 million contract with Black & Veatch in 2014. Metabiota got their start in 2015 with funding from Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, who gave Metabiota $30 million to help protect the world from the spread of epidemics. This is the very same Rosemont Seneca that was mysteriously wired $3.5 million from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. And the very same Metabiota partnered with Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance, the group that Dr. Fauci used to funnel money to the Wuhan lab for gain-of-function research in 2014. In 2014, Metabiota, EcoHealth Alliance, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology were together researching infectious diseases deriving from Chinese bats. Metabiota is working with known CIA front InQtel. It is funded by the U.S. Department of Defense, the NIH, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Google, and the National Geographic Society. Metabiota's founder, Nathan Wolf, sits on the board of EcoHealth Alliance and is a member of DARPA's Defense Science Research Council. In 2012, he wrote a book titled The Viral Storm, The Dawn of a New Pandemic Age, wherein he thanked his friends, pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and biotech venture capitalist Boris Nikolic. Boris Nikolic was named Jeffrey Epstein's successor executor upon his death. Wolf has also been seen hanging out with Ghislaine Maxwell on multiple occasions. He is also one of Klaus Schwab's young global leaders, trained on how to enact the Great Reset Agenda being directed by the World Economic Forum. Russia claims the Pentagon has over 30 biolabs in the Ukraine alone. China claims they are operating 336 biolabs in 30 different countries. And now, members of our corrupt U.S. government are saying this is all a Russian conspiracy and that we should soon expect a false flag attack from Russia. If there's a biological or chemical weapon incident or, uh, or attack inside of Ukraine, is there any doubt in your mind that 100% it would be the Russians that would be behind it? There is no doubt in my mind, Senator, and it is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. The two reports we just heard were aired and posted online on March 9 and 10. Yet despite the implications and unavoidability of the acknowledged existence of the biolabs, get a load of this story that appeared days later on March 12th in the pages of the National Post. Headline reads, What's Behind Biolab Claim? And the subhead reads, Targeting Specific Ethnic Groups is Possible by Sarah Napton. Quote, The propaganda war took an alarming turn this week when Russia accused Ukraine of housing U.S. labs that are developing bioagents to target specific ethnic groups. The claim was immediately refuted by the Pentagon, but how likely is it? 
Scientifically, it is possible. In 2019, Cambridge University's Center for the Study of Existential Risk warned that biological weapons could be built to target individuals of a particular ethnic group based on their DNA. However, experts point out that the claims follow a known pattern of disinformation by Russia. In 1991, the U.S. converted several former Soviet bioweapon labs in Ukraine into facilities to decommission weapons of mass destruction. It is thought this program sparked many conspiracy theories. Although labs may not be making bioweapons intentionally, (laughs) there are legitimate fears about so-called dual-use biological research, which could be hijacked for nefarious purposes. One theory about the pandemic is that COVID leaked from a lab where scientists were attempting to develop a universal vaccine for coronaviruses, end quote, from the Daily Telegraph. Wow. So according to Sarah Napton of the Daily Telegraph, the existence of biolabs in Ukraine is simply part of a propaganda war conducted by Russia, no less. And of course, the Pentagon agrees. Then the author completely changes the subject and becomes speculative, subjective, and evasive. No facts, whatever, are offered, but instead a lot of theoretical possibilities based on the quote-unquote science and not on any of the facts of the situation. Experts point out that the claims follow a known pattern of disinformation by Russia, writes Napton. Well, name one. Every quote-unquote expert cited by the mainstream media has been wrong, 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 wrong about everything they've ever said. If they're experts at anything, it's experts at being wrong. And if you're referring to the claim that biological weapons could be built to target individuals of a particular ethnic group based on their DNA, well, that sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? In fact, it describes exactly what we've been told the COVID injections do to human beings. They reprogram their DNA. Hello? And they can target a lot more than just your ethnicity, like your social status, whether you've been jabbed or not, your bank balance, and a whole host of targetable criteria. And then there's the ever-wrong-about-everything-every-day columnist Gwyn Dyer, whose London Free Press editorial of the same day, March 12th, was tripping over its own logic to avoid the obvious. Headline read, Putin's options down to retreat or mass slaughter. Quote, What Russia has done so far is contrary to its own military doctrines. Indeed, it was probably imposed on the military by President Vladimir Putin because it was based on, get this, magical thinking. Hmm. Standard Russian doctrine for attacking a country the size of Ukraine calls for methodical advance, with massive artillery and airstrikes paving the way and logistical support following close behind. Instead, they sent tanks and motorized infantry on cross-country dashes to grab key targets with only the food and ammunition they could carry. It would have worked if most Ukrainians really had been praying for liberation from the drug-addled Jewish Nazi gangsters who Putin said ruled their country. So far, only Kharkiv and Maripol have had the full treatment, with only occasional rockets hitting other big cities. This is likely because Putin thought he could win without destroying iconic cities such as Kiev and Odessa and killing tens of thousands. Even the man who leveled Grozny and Aleppo knows too much blood is bad PR. 
The whole debate about whether NATO should have barred them ignores history. A better approach might have been to let a very different Russia join NATO too. NATO's task now is to protect Ukraine, which it kept out while avoiding nuclear war. And quote, Gwen Dyer is an independent journalist based in London, England. Wow, 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 what a piece of journalistic excrement. It really is. Basically, Gwen Dyer has confirmed that Putin is not launching an invasion into Ukraine by failing to understand his own observations. Magical thinking? What the hell is that? Example, please. To what magical thought are you referring? Certainly not to Putin's. If you want to see magical thinking, just read any of Dyer's myriad of editorials expounding on the dangers of CO2 and climate change, and you will see magical thinking in spades. And yes, of course, he's a globalist. He hates Trump and he loves tyranny. It's all the same formula. But guys like him have their disinformation columns printed worldwide. And that accounts for much of the public's false beliefs about the situation in Ukraine. Dyer criticizes Putin for failing to follow, quote, standard Russian doctrine for attacking a country the size of Ukraine, end quote, and therefore concludes that Putin's magical thinking, again, never cited, is a sign of Putin's incompetence. Did it not occur to Dyer that maybe Putin is not attacking Ukraine and has other objectives in mind? Did Dyer ever even once read or listen to Putin's own pre-announced intentions in this regard? Was Dyer also unaware of the existence of the biolabs in the very cities he cited that Putin targeted? Is this how an independent journalist practices journalism? And what he says about NATO is so, so bizarre, I can't even speak to it. Now, of course, when Putin does eventually retreat, as I think he intends to do unless other issues get in the way, Idiots like Dyer will argue, as the headline to his editorial implies, that Putin's retreat will signal his defeat and a victory for the West. I'll tell you, the fake news media is fake, fake, fake to the very end. Which brings me back to something Tucker Carlson kept bringing up in his report on the biolabs in Ukraine. Did you notice how the term QAnon came up no less than three times in that brief part of Tucker Carlson's report that we just featured? QAnon, whatever that is, was frantically disseminating false claims of biowarfare labs in the Ukraine, said Tucker. We'll talk about deja vu all over again. It was this kind of talk from the mainstream media that originally led me to discover this phenomenon known as QAnon, and everything you need to know about QAnon and what it is and what it is not was featured on our own broadcast of Just Right, number 693, February 11, 2021, and it was titled QAnon at the Tipping Point. It was about that time that I first heard of and discovered the Q, quote-unquote, and in particular, one of the key voices associated with the Q movement, a fellow who operates under the pseudonym of David Nazipzot, who broadcasts two one-hour shows daily called the X-22 Report, which I check out on a fairly regular basis on Rumble, where it's not unusual for him to have 200 to 300,000 views on each day's show. He's the guy that Tucker Carlson was indirectly referencing as being the source of the biolab being targeted by Putin in Ukraine, and we played that whole report on our own show just a couple of weeks ago. And here's my own personal observation about the X-22 report. 
pretty much batting a thousand, and somehow he seems to be weeks and months ahead of even the alternate social media, many of whom dismiss X-22 as a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> like, like, who isn't one in an age of overt conspiracies? But generally, I haven't really followed up on X-22 reports on this show until I've seen other sources of information that verify his own reports. I've gone down a lot of so-called rabbit holes when preparing episodes of this show, but I generally make sure that I crawl out of them before airing my own observations and conclusions about what I find, or before selecting a particular audio bite as a credible piece of testimony or evidence. But you know, today I'm going to make an exception to my normal cautionary approach and take you down the rabbit hole with me. Because to be honest with you, I'm really not sure what to make of the narrative that you are about to hear. But it comes from someone I've more or less learned to respect. If for no other reason, then he has been pretty accurate ever since I first heard about him only some 14 or so months ago. And the irony was that it was the mainstream media that alerted me to him by blaming something called QAnon for a host of various conspiracy theories, well, that all eventually proved to be conspiracy facts. Think about how this all started. Ooh, Putin's just invading. He wants to take over Ukraine. And then people started to report on biolabs in Ukraine. And the fake news continually says there are no biolabs in Ukraine. Then all of a sudden, we have Victoria Nuland, who set up the regime change in Ukraine, come out to say in front of Congress that, yes, there are biolabs there. Now Russia's out there exposing the biolabs, saying they have the documentation, they have everything. And now the deep state players, the corrupt politicians, they are trapped. What happens when you trap a wild animal? that sees no way out, well, they go crazy because they're panicking. But what we're witnessing throughout all of this is the destruction of the old guard. This is just the beginning phase of it. No, this is not World War III. No, Putin's not going to be using nuclear weapons and destroying cities. Actually, if anyone's going to be using nuclear weapons, it's going to be the deep state players. They're the ones who will rather sacrifice the people in that city to make sure they don't get caught. That's how ruthless they really are. And remember, it's always the same people. The people who release the virus, same people. The people who set up the biolabs, same people. The people who want to bring us into the Great Reset, same people. The people who cheated in the election and overthrew the government, same people. The people who committed treason in this country, same people. The people who want the Constitution gone, same people. It's always the same people. They're involved in all of this. And if you notice, they're now panicking. Who has all the leverage? Trump does. The Patriots do. They're getting caught in their lies. And they can't figure a way out of this. And soon, we're going to have a completely different narrative come into play when all of a sudden, Xi, and I do believe Trump is working with other world leaders, Xi decides to move into Taiwan. And I don't mean move in and live there. I'm talking about the same thing that Putin is doing, exposing the corruption in this area. And I do believe that's going to be happening soon. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in the month of April. If you look at the fake news, they have been trying to keep up with all of this and they can't control this narrative. And Peppy Lives Matters on Telegram put this out And it shows the different headlines from different mainstream media outlets. And 
they keep using fact checks, which is absolutely meaningless because we know what the fact checks are. It's the intelligence agencies trying to convince people that this is what's really happening. So in USA Today, they have fact check, false claim of US biolabs in Ukraine tied to Russian disinformation campaign. Newsweek, China pushes conspiracy theory about US biolabs in Ukraine. I mean, this goes on and on and on. They keep, it's actually, each headline is exactly the same. Fact check, why Russians claims about US biolabs in Ukraine don't hold up. So what happened? Well, after all these headlines and everything that they've been putting out there, we had Russia, we had Victoria Newland come out and say, yes, there's biolabs. So the entire fake news, once again, just lied to the American people with their fact checks. The whole thing wasn't misinformation, disinformation from Russia, because now it is confirmed that, yes, there are biolabs that were installed in these areas in Ukraine and the the deep state players control it. They did it on purpose. And we actually have the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation, and they explain, yes, there is a biological program. It was set up by the U.S. It was funded by the U.S. And there's actual documents from the EIDSS, and it shows the actual funding of each one of these labs. And when you count them as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are listed right here. And yes, they do exist. Now, what's very interesting is that there were deleted web pages recovered by the National Pulse, and it reveals that former President Obama spearheaded an agreement leading to the construction of biolabs handling especially dangerous pathogens in Ukraine. The news comes on the same day that Biden regime Victoria Nuland told the U.S. Senate that the American government is concerned about biological research facilities falling into Russian hands as a result of the ongoing conflict in Eastern Europe. So when you look at these deleted web pages, there's one from June 18, 2010, the article Biolab Opens in Ukraine, and it details how Obama, while serving as Illinois senator, helped negotiate a deal to build a level three biosafety lab in Ukrainian city of Odessa. Remember, there were two senators that went out there. We discussed this before, Lugar and Obama. And they created these biolabs out there. Very interesting. Where did COVID come from? Who released it? Was it actually China? Did it originate in China or did it originate someplace else? Well, let's go back in time a little bit because we know that George Soros does not get along with Putin and Xi. And Qtop put this out and it's a video of George Soros back in 2015 joking with the media goons about how the Soros empire has been taking over other small countries and they had their eyes on the Soviet empire for some time now. And in the last couple of years, Soros... He has become bitter enemies of Xi and Putin and, of course, Trump. Which leads us to the next thing. If Ukraine was creating biological weapons and the deep state right now is panicking, did they transfer biological weapons to another lab, which was in Wuhan? And did they transfer 
the virus there and then release it from Wuhan. And I do believe this is why Xi most likely is going to be going into Taiwan because this is going to reinforce what is being found in Ukraine. And people are going to start to understand what's really going on here. And this is why the deep state players are working so hard to create World War III because they need this covered up. Now, Lara Logan put this out and she said the following. Most important false flag not to miss on Ukraine. There is no evidence Putin is trying to drag the world into nuclear war. On the contrary, any strategic military intel brain will tell you the purpose of Putin showing off Russia's nuclear capability is the exact opposite. You don't show your cards if that is the outcome you want. That is not how this works. Putin is flaunting Russia's nuclear capability as a deterrent and a message to the rest of the world. Don't go there. What's really happening? I do believe the patriots are in complete and utter control of the situation. And this is about bringing down the deep state. Actually, what we are witnessing, we are witnessing the destruction of the old guard. Trump has all the leverage. You see, if he was president right now and all of this was happening and biolabs were found there, everything would have been blamed on Trump. You think they would have just stopped the war? You think they wouldn't try to get us into war? Of course they would. Trump, I do believe this was set up from the very beginning. Part of the plan to have the resident there and speed everything up so everyone can see the truth and then expose everything to we the people. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. X-22's comments about China and Taiwan. I've got to confess, they're completely alien to my understanding of that situation. So Z is expected to invade Taiwan in the same way that Putin just did in Ukraine? That would be kind of a surprise to me because I don't see the dynamics between Russia and Ukraine in the same light as I see the dynamics between communist China and Taiwan. But at the same time, I've heard Trump himself predict that quote-unquote something is going to happen in Taiwan and very soon. Huh. So, I've shared this narrative from the X-22 report with you now, long in advance of this predicted event. So let's see what happens on that front if and when it does. Sometime in April? I've been hearing a lot of rumors. I think the Olympics might fit in there somewhere too. But as to X-22's overall narrative on the events that have already taken place, sounds awfully plausible to me. Did they transfer the virus from Ukraine to Wuhan and release it there? You know, that's a scary proposition, but it sounds very much like a few of the conspiracy theories we took a look at way back in early 2020, just after the pandemic was launched. But if true, it would certainly explain China's interest in cooperating with Putin and Trump. Politics does make for strange bedfellows, and this would be about the strangest and unexpected alliance ever envisaged since World War II. But I think that the real punchline to X-22's report that we just heard was in regard to his observation that if Trump were president right now and biolabs were discovered in Ukraine, he would have to be taking the blame. And that makes a hell of a lot of sense and also accounts for that strange comment Trump made before the last election, remember? About how he would have to disappear for some time and refer to sinister forces emanating from the pharmaceutical industry. We were all scratching our heads back then when he talked about it, but think about it. 
Just last week, Trump's one-hour interview with Full Send Podcast was censored and removed from all the usual suspect social media sites, but which you can still get on banned video. Seems to me he's still a big player in this game. Of course, X-22 has consistently and steadfastly been a 100% Donald Trump supporter and advocate, a fact he does not keep a secret. Interesting how he calls Biden the resident, just like I do, as opposed to Stephen Crowder, who still calls Biden the former vice president. But X-22 has always maintained that Trump is the real man in charge and that right now the U.S. military, not to be confused with NATO, is really in control while Trump sets out to clean the swamp, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. I am also forced to recall how many times I've heard various individuals, upon first meeting Trump, refer to him as something along the lines of the art of war personified. As one such person put it, on a past audio bite we recently featured on the show. Now, as coincidence would have it, I just ran across this clip from an October 2nd, 2019 news conference with Trump commenting on Ukraine only minutes before recording this broadcast. Listen to this. Why are we the only ones that give the big money to the Ukraine? We give money to Ukraine. And it's bothered me from day one. And you have plenty of people just here. I say, how come it's always the United States that gets ripped? Ukraine is tremendous corruption. Tremendous. More than just about any country in the world. In fact, they're rated one of the most corrupt countries in the world. And I don't like giving money to a country that's that corrupt. Look, Biden and his son are stone cold crooked. And you know it. His son walks out with millions of dollars. The kid knows nothing. You know it, and so do we. Well, the rest of that media event got pretty heated, to say the least. Personally, I think that Trump's a man on a mission. A mission that is just getting started. And I wouldn't want to be the guy who's Trump's target. Now, let's move on to another dimension of this whole Ukraine situation. The moral dimension, as it was once put on an old episode of Yes Minister. On this side of our final bumper break, the voice of What's-Her-Face, which is not a pejorative, but the name of her show, hosted by an anonymous young lady who I understand lives in Ontario, Canada. As heard on March 11, and on the return side of the bumper, Scottish commentator Neil Oliver, as heard on Great Britain News on March the 12th. Are we all really as evil as they seem to be suggesting. Now that we've had some time to process the events in Ukraine, I think it's pretty safe to say that the blue and yellow pieces of cloth you've been flying around are about as useful as the ones you're wearing on your face. Hey, I'm not complaining. At least we've added a pop of sunshine yellow to our draconian hellscape. But as the dust settles, the plan couldn't be more clear if a TV sci-fi villain with a German accent and knockoff Darth Vader armor rose from beneath the rubble. You see, a lot of people like to claim that geopolitics is complicated and difficult to understand, but I don't buy that at all. These are simple issues that are intentionally obfuscated for the same reason legalese is virtually unintelligible. So that the big guy can sodomize you eight times before you've had a chance to realize your pants are down. What we're witnessing isn't beyond our scope of understanding, nor is it anything out of the ordinary. It's the same Hegelian dialectic we've been witnessing for our entire lives. Remember, the powers that be are evil, 
but they are not creative. In fact, we saw almost this exact strategy earlier in the pandemic with lockdowns. Shut down businesses to protect the population from the deadly virus, provide financial support to citizens ultimately causing inflation, create dependence on the government for basic needs. This is the same deal with just a few minor details swapped out. Manufacture conflict, impose punitive sanctions on Russian banks and exports, triggering a global recession and the collapse of the dollar, force people onto a digital currency. An article by Wall Street Journal writer John Sindrew said the sanctions on Russia, which showed that reserves accumulated by central banks can simply be taken away, raised the question of, what is money? As Sindru put it, the entire artifice of money as a universal store of value risks being eroded by the banning of key exports to Russia and boycotts of the kind corporations like Apple and Nike announced this week. If currency becomes worthless computer entries, then there will be a shift back to gold. He noted that one of the barriers to China's push to internationalize the renminbi has been the fear that access to it was always at risk of being revoked by political considerations. It is now apparent that to a point, this is true of all currencies. His conclusion was that for once, the old trope may not be ill-advised. Buy gold. Many of the world's central banks will surely be doing it. Do you still not understand the game? If not, I hope you get real smart about a lot of stuff real quick, because right now, we're in the fourth quarter and we got Baker Mayfield running the offense. I don't know anything about football. I enlisted my boyfriend to help me with that joke. What's the offense? Is that, is that the quarterback? Touchdown? Who's Baker Mayfield? Is it possible that the people's corruption, not just in Canada, but worldwide, is contributing to the judgment against us? Is rebellion actually the right answer, or is repentance the right answer? According to scripture, God uses tyrannical government to judge people who are sinful to bring them to repentance, and then he delivers them when they do. Shouldn't we be focused on repentance first? I do think there is a lot of truth to this. I truly believe that everything that happens in the world is just a reflection of ourselves. The world is shit because people are shit. What we're seeing on both sides, um, and it's so clear, I mean, it's like textbook, it's people projecting. There's a reason why the only people you hear screaming at you, the only people who get like really, really angry about about you not wearing a mask in order to protect their, their health, they're always, 100% of the time, the least healthy people you've ever seen. They're always overweight, uh, they drink a lot, they smoke, they don't exercise, they're sedentary. Um, this is all projection. Everything you see is projection. And I think a lot of that occurs on this side too with all these people who have this savior complex. They're always the type of people who do nothing to save themselves. They're always the type of people who will dole out advice and never take any of their own advice. It's not just we're walking around all good, sweet, and wonderful people, and there's just these evil people trying to take us down. There's so much evil in this world because um, we allow it, we perpetuate it, and we are that evil. We, uh, you know, every, every evil, horrible thing we see happening in the world, we are all capable of on some level. People still write to me most days, often to air their fears about what they see as nothing less 
than an existential battle between good and evil. More and more, I am inclined to believe them. Loud are the calls for us to go as far as necessary, all the way until Putin and his forces are defeated or dead. There's not just war in Ukraine, there's also war in Myanmar, Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, Iraq, in many African countries including Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, Nigeria, Congo, Maghreb, Mali and more besides. I've only listed some of the most obvious ongoing horrors. Some of the fighting in those places is decades old, but mostly we don't watch anymore because our media don't show it to us. I'm ashamed to admit I don't think enough about the suffering of others. I am unforgivably aware that unforgivable wrong and despicable cruelty is endured right now this very moment by millions of people around the world while I shop online and keep my head bent over my smartphone. I will never be able to atone for what I turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to now and have done all of my adult life. It might have been Plato who said only the dead have seen the end of war. Whoever it was, we have known the truth of the statement for a long time. War is always with us. Since the outbreak of war in 1914, what we called the Great War until we learned we had to give them numbers, there have been precious few days without organised armed conflict somewhere. Malevolence and hatred are nothing new either, of course they aren't. But just as war is growing bolder yet again, talk of a new world war indeed, so the practice of malevolent behaviour and its attendant expressions of hatred is on the rise again as well. Most sinister, hatred and calls for death are being normalised in the online world, even actively encouraged. Facebook and Instagram announced last week they would be allowing users to call for death and violence towards Russian soldiers. Normally so-called hate speech is banned from such platforms. But the American parent company Meta have relaxed their hate speech policy in a dozen countries in Eastern Europe and Caucasus, so long as the hatred is directed only at Russian soldiers. Death to the Russian invaders it seems, would be okay by meta. I only have heartfelt sympathy for any man, woman or child ready to fight to the death in the face of an invader. The thought of my home, my children's home, being attacked and destroyed, their peaceful world torn apart. The thought of harm inflicted upon them by strangers from elsewhere fills me with nothing less than murderous rage. I understand rage and hate because I feel them too, but I'm also ashamed of my hating and so I try always to keep it inside. More and more, every day now in fact, I think about Alexander Solzhenitsyn's quote about the line separating good and evil, passing not between states and not between countries, but right through every human heart. We're being manipulated as never before in history. Even the medieval church could barely dream of such control over how people think and act. In Scotland, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon apologised last week to witches tormented and murdered hundreds of years ago. Her timing is interesting when we are poked and prodded into one witch hunt after another right now in the present. These are dark days and they will likely get darker for a while yet. In his novel of a dystopian future, 1984, George Orwell wrote about the two minutes hate during which citizens 
were invited daily to vent their hatred towards whomever the government said they should. He wrote, The horrible thing about the two minutes hate was not that one was obliged to act apart, but that it was impossible to avoid joining in. Within 30 seconds, any pretense was always unnecessary. A hideous ecstasy of fear and vindictiveness, a desire to kill, to torture, to smash faces in with a sledgehammer, seemed to flow through the whole group of people like an electric current, turning one, even against one's will, into a grimacing, screaming lunatic. And yet the rage that one felt was an abstract, undirected emotion, which could be switched from one object to another, like the flame of a blow lamp. We're like from COVID to Ukraine in two minutes flat, right? (laughs) But while I appreciate the frustration and bewilderment just expressed by both What's-Her-Face and Neil Oliver, I simply can't agree that all people are capable of good and evil. Or at least I wouldn't express it that way. Close, but no cigar. The question that begs being not just asked, but answered in this regard, is something along the lines of, Are people intrinsically good or evil? Or, in being capable of both, is evil always the default setting? You might say it's a starting point if you're willing to label children as evil, because the good must be learned. It is never intrinsic to our nature. And the reason that young children or infants cannot be judged as good or evil in the moral context of our discussion is because they're incapable of exercising such judgment and do not possess the knowledge or experience necessary to be a moral agent and thus responsible for their own actions. That's why societies have all established some variant of an age of consent, that age where the child becomes adult and is therefore capable of and subject to moral judgment and therefore to principles of justice. So, are people intrinsically good or evil? No, there's nothing intrinsic about it. Good and evil are only applicable to ideas and actions and not to outcomes. And labeling or judging people to be good or evil is a bit more complicated. Is a person evil when he commits an immoral act, like, say, stealing, and then good when he acts morally, like, say, not stealing when an easy opportunity presents itself? Is a person permanently labeled evil for life just because of a single evil action when in the rest of his life he has never done so again? It really comes down to a matter of definitions, as it always does. Here's the way I look at it. Good people are incapable of knowingly doing evil. That's why we call them good people. Evil people are incapable of doing good. That's why we call them evil people. Sure, they may act in a way that's not evil in a given instance, but it wouldn't be because they are adhering consistently and consciously to some kind of moral code. Someone who murders or robs others only rarely or occasionally (laughs) is always evil because of his or her willingness to resort to it. But a person is only good or evil in those instances or circumstances that call for morality or ethics to play a role, which is always true in politics. Ethics precedes politics. So when What's-Her-Face cites scripture, God uses tyrannical government to judge people, it seemed to me a backwards way of looking at it. It's a bit like arguing that God uses gravity to judge people who jump off cliffs thinking they can fly. It's remarkable how unaware most people generally are of the political roots of religion and scriptures. Neil Oliver laments that he doesn't think enough about the suffering of others, and that's a danger sign. It's the trap of altruism and wanting to solve the suffering of others, and that is the source of much of the evil that he fears. 
I would recommend in this regard that if you can, get a hold of Isabel Patterson's essay from The God of the Machine entitled The Humanitarian with the Guillotine, in which she makes a very clear case that most of the harm in the world is done by good people with the most noble of intentions. And long-time listeners to this show will have heard me take some lengthy quotes from that essay on several occasions. I remember resolving this issue in my own mind at a very young age. It occurred to me that on a planet with billions of people at any given moment in time, someone is being murdered, raped, tortured, imprisoned, unjustly, drowned, buried alive, robbed, kidnapped, trafficked for criminal purposes, and a whole host of sources for suffering that don't even begin to address things like domestic issues or individual issues of severe injury or illness. If you're going to spend any time in your life thinking about the suffering of others, I implore you, think again. To what end? If you look at the world that way, you'll go crazy, and then the rest of us will have to continually be thinking about your suffering. And that's just evil. I should also point out that when Isabel Patterson referred to the guillotine, she was referring to government, which too many people see as some kind of social instrument with which to do good. But government in this context is a gun. In fact, maybe we should call it government to keep us conscious of that fact. And when we use guns to solve social problems or the perceived suffering of others, how can anything but more suffering and chaos possibly be the result? Government is a gun. It is intended as society's instrument of force established to administer objective justice. If you do anything else with that government, you can kiss your freedom goodbye. Ayn Rand defined the good as that which is proper to the life of a rational being, and evil as that which negates, opposes, or destroys reason, since reason is man's basic means of survival. Thinking is man's only basic virtue, from which all the others proceed, and his basic vice, the source of all his evils, is that nameless act which all of you practice but struggle never to admit, the act of blanking out the willful suspension of one's consciousness, the refusal to think, not blindness, but the refusal to see, not ignorance, but the refusal to know. It is the act of unfocusing your mind and inducing an inner fog to escape the responsibility of judgment. Okay, we've just got time for the short course. Most people go through life kind of semi-embalmed. I don't know, maybe they like it. But you're in a spot now where you've got to take a position. You don't understand us. That's not necessary for now. Hammerschlag, you can understand. Real good. So you just ask yourself a question. Do you want to spend the rest of your life in a Hammerschlag kind of world? That was possibly the most powerful philosophical moment that I ever recall from the excellent 60s television series Hogan's Heroes. Hammerschlag, of course, was the local Nazi who in today's world would be the likes of Trudeau and Biden. And when he explained how most people go through life kind of semi-embalmed, he literally defined the nature of evil itself. Just as Ayn Rand did when she wrote that evil is the act of unfocusing your mind and inducing an inner fog to escape the responsibility of judgment. And maybe they like it, right? And we're in a spot right now where we have to take a position. And the position that we have taken is the right position, just as we will when you join us again next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. 
everything will be Vote fascist for a third glorious decade of total law enforcement. Being a government informer, betray your family and friends. Fabulous prizes to be won. 